Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate people in and around the wonderful world of product management. If that sounds like the sort of thing you can get behind, why not come and join me and some of the finest thought leaders and practitioners in the world on OneNightInProduct.com, where you can sign up to the newsletter, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, or follow the podcast on social media, and guarantee you never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we talk about APIs. No, 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 don't go. We're talking about API products. What is an API? What is an API product? How do we measure success in our API products? And what does an API vanity metric look like? And all in all, are API products totally different to other products? Or is the fundamental job just basically the same? For answers to all these questions and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Deepa Goyal. Deepa's a former data scientist turned data product manager turned API product manager, and these days she's a product strategist and now an author who wants us all to know if we build on our strengths, we can be very successful. She obviously hasn't heard about all of my weaknesses. Deepa's a trained artist who loves to paint large-scale portraits and apparently got some early practice in saying no to CEOs when she was asked to get a matching tattoo done. She's now taken all the ink she saved and created her own work of art, the recently released API Analytics for Product Managers, and she wants you to understand the key API metrics that can help you grow your business. Hi, Deepa. How are you tonight? Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. And thanks for the great intro. Absolutely. It's good to have you here. And just to get started in my time-honored fashion, you are currently the product strategy lead for Postman. So that's right. Probably most people out there will have heard of Postman, the go-to solution for testing your own APIs. But in any case, what are you working on day-to-day at Postman? So... As you already mentioned, it is the go-to tool for API testing. And I think we want to really go beyond testing. And what I'm working on day-to-day is how can we unlock getting more and more people who are not necessarily so technical, how can we enable them with tools to work with APIs? How can we enable people to build different kinds of APIs, what kind of tooling they would require to build public APIs or internal APIs and managing APIs at scale. One of my key areas of focus is actually enterprise and just how enterprises build their APIs. They have, a lot of them have thousands of APIs. How how does that management look like? And what makes sense in terms of tooling when you have thousands of developers working in an organization? Yeah, well, you know, that's obviously always going to be a challenge for any type of products. You know, the more people you're selling into, the more users. But it sounds like a really interesting challenge, this idea that you're trying to almost open up the near mythical world of APIs, the sort of thing that not everyone really gets and trying to open it up to the world as well. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute as well, kind of like some of the concepts around APIs. But I guess one of the questions I do have about being a kind of product strategy lead, as opposed to say, you know, just in in quotes, a product manager or a head of product or some kind of VP of product. Like you very (laughs) specifically got strategy in your job title. Yep. So how does that then differ from, or how does your role then differ from some of those more traditional kind of job titled roles? Like are you kind of up there on your ivory tower just thinking about stuff all day or do you kind of still have to go and get your hands dirty either in Jira or maybe even in Postman itself from time to time? It is. I don't really spend that much time in my ivory tower, I do get my hands dirty. (laughs) And I think that 
the way my role is different from the traditional product manager roles that I've held before is instead of focusing on sort of shipping features, I'm also more broader in terms of I work with different product managers across the organization and tie it together across the organization. I, I'm also a little bit more exposed to our external customers or stakeholders. And I also work very closely with our go-to-market teams and trying to stitch that big picture. But I don't manage people directly. I think that's really the difference between traditional head of product role and, and my role. I'm not really managing people directly. It's a little bit more of thought leadership within the, the product org, since we do have a different org structure. Oh, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've got a good mix of different things there. And, you know, not everyone wants to manage people. So hopefully that's uh, something that kind of drives up your preferences. But you've worked in API products for a lot of your career, or certainly the last few years of your career. So you're working at Postman now. You spent a bit of time as the head of API experience at PayPal. You've worked at Twilio. So you've worked for some pretty big companies. You've worked on APIs for some pretty big companies. So I'm you know, sure you've seen a few things. But what was it that got you into or attracted you to working with API products in the first place? Was it like a really intentional move or just kind of happenstance, right place, right time? Definitely intentional. I was at Prosper Marketplace and I helped build some of their APIs, partner APIs. And that time, I didn't know that much about API as a product and what other companies were doing. And I went to a few conferences with, with devs on my team and learned about all these cool APIs. And <laughs> I was fascinated by it. And I decided, I started looking into Twilio because I saw somebody show a project. So that's really how the Twilio move came about very much out of my interest in APIs and all the incredible things people were doing with APIs. And once I got in, I was very interested in this idea of API as a product. And I found it really fascinating. I was interested in it, but there seems to be no information out there <laughs> to help people get more aware about it. So that's really how I started in API product management is out of sheer interest and learning on the job and all the moves from Twilio to PayPal and now Postman have really helped me look at different dimensions of API as a product. And it's been great. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I've worked on API products before as well. So I've got yeah, maybe not so much experience as you have, but certainly sort of been around the block a bit. But I guess one interesting question is when you've been going for potentially new roles, for example, obviously as an API specialist now, I guess you could call you, like, are there lots of API product manager jobs out there? Or is it kind of a case of trying to find the ones as they come up and, and really go for those? Like, I don't know, like what the landscape is out there at the moment. But is it something where it's quite easy to get into? Or do you think that it's a little bit more tricky? So there's two questions there, questions you asked there. One is how many jobs are there? I think the, the number of jobs in the API space have consistently been increasing since more and more companies are looking to build APIs and spending more energy and focus on their API experiences as they try to roll out API products. I would say it's not necessarily... 
honestly, it's not very easy to get in. I would not sugarcoat it. <laughs> I think there is a barrier to entry in terms of being slightly technical. Yep. Since working with APIs can be technical. There is that. There is the aspect of like, there is not enough guidance out there in terms of how do you do this job and what is expected or how these companies operate. And those two things combined definitely make it harder for new PMs to enter this space. But there is huge demand. I think there is a lot of, lot of opportunity for people who are looking to get into it. Well, let's talk about some of that guidance then. So you've got your newish book out, uh, API Analytics for Product Managers. You've been very kind and sent me a copy. So obviously, as a former API product person myself, I had a good read through that and it's nice to see some very familiar concepts and obviously some new takes on some stuff as well. But I'm always keen to see APIs get given a little love and start to treat them as the first class product citizens that they are. But what made you want to write a book about this stuff in the first place? I mean, you've talked about the lack of resources for it. I mean, I assume that was part of it. But what specifically inspired you to be the person to write this book? So, of course, as I looked through the books, there was a lot of engineering related content, a lot of books telling you from an engineering perspective how to build APIs, but there wasn't enough strategy aspect being discussed, not enough customer empathy being discussed. And that was one of the challenges that I started with at Twilio, where I actually got the opportunity to talk to a lot of customers, do a lot of this work myself. And as I started doing that, I started creating the strategy for analytics for this kind of product. I had done analytics for different kinds of products before. So I started to create a framework for approaching this set of problems. And I think as I created that framework, I was like, hey, you know what? This is not just useful for my current job, but this is something that everybody can benefit from. And honestly, I feel like if this knowledge exists, why does everybody have to reinvent the wheel? And if, if I share this, people who are trying to establish metrics or you know, get into product management for APIs, maybe they can get started much quicker and get to success much faster. So that was really my motivation. Oh, absolutely. But then was that something that almost wrote itself then? Or did it take quite a lot of effort to try and take some of those frameworks and approaches that you'd maybe already been thinking about or using and actually convert those into a book that was actually consumable by the wide world of product managers out there? It was a lot of work. I think also my ideas got refined a lot on the way. I had access to a lot of experts in the space like Ken Lane and Arno. Laurent, who has also written books on the topic. So having those experts, kind of easy access to them really allowed me to bounce off ideas and, and get that perspective in terms of like, hey, this is how I'm thinking about it. And then being able to poke holes in it really helped me refine some of those ideas and also validate some of the things that I, I was thinking about. So if this is, is this really a problem? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is really a problem. So I think it really <laughs> helps to have <laughs> that people, you know, asking people and validating that this is really something worth writing about, something people are looking for. And in terms of writing itself, I'm not a, a natural writer. It was a huge <laughs> effort to push myself to write. It took a while to 
establish a writing style for myself. I think it's easy to think of like, oh, I'm going to write a book about it. But the actual writing of the book is very difficult, takes a lot of perseverance. And there are many moments where you wonder if you will be able to finish it. In my case, (laughs) after I started the book, I found out that I was expecting a baby and I wrote the book through it. So it was, it was incredible, but I, (laughs) but, but honestly, I was just, I, I had a timeline in mind. I had to get the book out this year and I was just determined to get it done. Well, and you made it. And it's interesting though, that thing you say around assessing whether this was a real problem and whether that's something that would have an audience. And this is all exactly the same struggle that product managers, API or otherwise have with all of their products as well. So it's like almost taking some of those product principles and then bringing them back and focusing them on your own book as well, which is definitely interesting. But some people might read the title and think, well, you know, API analytics sounds pretty exciting, but I don't know anything about API products at all yet. So do I need another book for that? So I guess the question for you would be, does the book kind of take people from zero to one? So someone who's never managed an API product at all in their lives and they're maybe interested in getting into the space and they need something to guide them along the way? Or is it something that's really optimized for people that already are API product managers and just need to get better at being one of those? My book definitely is takes people from zero to one. My book starts with just sharing about what APIs are and what API as a product even means. So I really wanted to get people started in terms of If you know absolutely nothing about APIs and you don't even know who's doing it in the industry, you get a good feel of the the API landscape, what kind of products already exist and how they approach the same problems and then digs deeper into how you can do user research, identify your customers, build customer empathy, and also have the right analytics to measure along the way and form a, a more complete and coherent API strategy. Well, there you go. So hopefully people can pick it up and start along that journey. But let's talk a bit more. I mean, you just touched on it yourself about the this kind of almost the fundamental questions of API product management. You know, what is an API and what can you do with it and all of those things. So let's kind of take it from the top, just in case there are people listening to this that yeah, maybe know a little bit about APIs, but they don't really know what's going on. And maybe they need to go a bit on that journey too. So obviously, APIs can be a fairly tricky technical concept, hard to explain to non-technical people. So I'm going to ask you to explain it, maybe not to a six-month-old, because, you know, I know that your <laughs> kid's over there, but, you know, he can't hear you or he can't understand it properly yet. But like, if you had to explain APIs to, say, a seven-year-old, maybe to my son, mm-hmm. how would you describe an API to that boy? Hmm, that's very interesting. I think APIs in a nutshell, I think the simplest definition of APIs in my mind is APIs are how applications can be programmed to talk to each other. And a very simple example of that is when when you open the Uber app, for example, you you see this map where you can see your location. And when you call for an Uber driver, you can see his or her location. And this is Uber calling Google Maps APIs to render this information. So in the background, Google and Uber are talking to each other to get you this information. 
or when you accept, when you decide to pay by PayPal on any app, let's say, let's say for example, Uber, and you say, I want to pay with PayPal. That's Uber talking to PayPal, APIs in the background, PayPal, APIs saying, yes, this is Deepa, you can, this is validated account, and yes, you can take the payment. So at scale, all these services and applications are able to talk to each other using APIs. And for the end user, it's this seamless experience that allows this world-class experience of like Google is the best mapping, PayPal, you already have PayPal, so you don't have to configure a new payment method or credit card. So this ease of your user experience is delivered by all these applications talking to each other. And that's enabled by APIs. Well, there you go. I'm going to play a recording of this to that boy after this, just to see if he understands all of that. But obviously, (laughs) a fairly user-centric approach there, which is obviously maybe segues nicely into the next question, which is like, if we accept what an API is, and if we accept that lots of products have APIs kind of underneath them, maybe like internal APIs that they use for themselves to kind of just make the web app that you log into just talk to itself. We're not talking about that type of API. We're talking about APIs where things can talk to each other, like different products can talk to each other. So if you were to describe an API product Mm -hmm. specifically, how would you do that? And this can be pitched at grown-ups. It doesn't have to be to seven-year-olds. So API products don't necessarily have to be external APIs. I think it's really about what what we're coming at with as an industry is thinking about APIs in general as products. Because even when you build internal APIs, the internal developers are your customers. And the problems actually remain the same. If you have thousands of APIs within an organization, you still want the developers to be able to discover them, to be able to integrate effectively with them. You want to avoid everybody trying to build the same APIs and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and avoid that redundancy. Google Classic. Exactly. Exactly. So it's the approach of trying to think about APIs as products and building a customer-centric approach and strategy, be it internal or external, or even if it's like built for specific customers, which is partner APIs. So applying that customer-centric approach to building APIs. So just to clarify then, if you're talking about internal APIs, I mean, it's starting to make me think of some of the concepts from team topologies and books like that, where you've kind of got your enabling teams and your platform teams and all your different types of teams. So you're very much advocating to have a an internal API product manager for an internal API rather than just two engineering teams talking to each other? Absolutely. I think product managers are needed even for building internal tools or internal APIs. Ultimately, internal developers are also customers to their APIs. And if you have a good experience internally, it can actually benefit the overall engineering organization in terms of efficiency, in terms of security as well, because if different teams are building the same APIs, how do you really measure which one's better or you have this redundancy, this inefficiency in your organization? So I think efficiency gain is a huge, huge item for anybody building internal APIs, especially as we get to scale of large organizations building thousands of APIs. 
But day to day then, what are some of the main differences you see between managing some random web product, you know, the sort of product that lots of people listening to this are probably managing, things that people can just log into on their browsers and get going and it's all very kind of glitzy and, you know, nice to look at and stuff. Like, what are some of the differences between product managing that type of product and product managing an API product? There's quite a few differences. I think from the web perspective, you have the opportunity to track clicks as your user goes through their user journey of using your product, which is not necessarily something you have with an API product, especially in the early stage of you know people onboarding with your APIs. So that onboarding journey of the customer tends to be much less trackable than a web product and also much longer in terms of time. Because when, when a developer discovers an API and tries to integrate, that could be a few days, that could be a few weeks, could be sometimes in case of large organizations, could be months <laughs> before they actually come online and, and start using your APIs. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that time to value piece in a moment because that's something that's obvious. In fact, let's talk about it now. Like, yeah, you just kind of hit the nail on the head and it's definitely something that I've seen myself in the past. Like, you've got an API of whatever quality that API is, but you've got something that you can take out to the market. People can buy, they can subscribe to, all of that stuff. But yeah, you, you really touched a really important point. Like, we're so reliant on other people to allow them to get value from our APIs. We can't give them value until they've integrated. So what are some ways that we can make it easier? Like, So if we've got an API product and we do sell it to someone, to make it as easy as possible to get those people up and running as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. I think that's where analytics comes into play. You have to... Oh, well, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two different things two very important metrics that, that I think about. One is time to first call. Yep. That is just trying to track that somebody was able to get started with your APIs. They could sign up, create an account, get their keys, and make an API call. And I think that is just the getting started. But when we think of time to value, that is more to do, uh, that can vary with, with the nature of the business. So, for example, for PayPal, the time to value is when you make an actual financial transaction and money is moved and you make a payment. And that could potentially take up more than a single API call. Yep. Validating your account and, you know, all those different things as you go through that journey. So you can identify that business transaction as value because if I'm a merchant and I integrated PayPal APIs, I can do it for fun, but the value is when people actually start paying me using PayPal. So that is really the business idea of value. So time to value can be defined differently for different products, and it can be very different from time to first call. And the way you can think about optimizing the experience is to reduce that distance. If it ultimately, it shouldn't take too long after your first API call <laughs> to get to value. But I want to maybe dive a little deeper then into that concept of value because, so for example, in the past, I've worked on data APIs. So like APIs that expose data that basically other companies call 
with every single transaction that they do or every new customer that they bring on board at their site. So obviously the usage of the API is very much dependent on how many customers they onboard mm-hmm. because that's the part of the flow that it's in for them. They're kind of integrated in. I can't make them use it more because it's just wired up to every single transaction that they do. And obviously in the case of something like PayPal, we could argue, sure, money, you know, that's the ultimate value, right? But is there an easy way to kind of carve out either an actual metric or a proxy metric or some kind of way to tell that it's not just that I'm plugged in, but that I am actually over time delivering value and potentially being able to deliver more value? Or is it always kind of imperfect when you're dealing with a fairly wired in API that they're kind of just using every time they make a transaction anyway? So that's a very good question. So the definition of value can vary a lot. And what I've seen is one of the ways that I've kind of approached this problem and I've observed is value can mean different things to different customers. Hmm, yes. <laughs> so for example, when I was at Twilio, some of our customers were small nonprofits and some were large enterprises. And success to a small nonprofits could be 50 SMSs a week, which is very low. So from Twilio perspective, it's not necessarily driving a lot of revenue at 50 calls a week, but it is still delivering value to this customer. Yeah. And that could be millions of calls for large customers. And what I've seen over time is trying to track that recurring usage is very helpful in terms of identifying value. Once you start to observe that a customer is repeatedly using your API, you can assume that they have integrated successfully, they are starting to depend on it, and also that weekly usage will grow as they grow. And oftentimes it could be impacted by the industry as a whole. But that recurring usage is a very good signal of value to the customer. Yep, that's fair enough. But one thing that I've seen often when trying to demo API products, if we kind of go back to this concept of demonstrating value, of course, they're not going to get any value out of it unless they buy it. And in many cases, they're not going to buy it unless it's some fully product-led growth, you know, sign up on the website and just integrate with a help page. A lot of API products are maybe still sales-led, being sold in as part of a bigger enterprise deal or something like that. And it can be quite tricky to demonstrate that value of an API to a room full of basically commercial stakeholders or like operations people, people that basically wouldn't know one screen of JSON data to another screen of JSON data. Now, obviously, a tool like Postman allows you to very easily query APIs, but like I'm going to assume that like the, the head of operations of a mid-sized to large-sized enterprise isn't necessarily going to be the that's not going to be their first port of call, right? So are there any ways that you've seen or ways that you recommend to try to demonstrate the value of the APIs that, that you're putting out there to kind of business stakeholders that don't really understand any of the technicalities, but they just want to see what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, one of the ways that I've seen work in terms of demonstrating API value is by having some demo instances Usually, companies would create examples that are domain-specific. So you have something to look at in terms of what you can build using these APIs. So it's, it's a dummy application that you can build and 
demonstrate the features and functionalities of your APIs just to show the possibilities to your customers. APIs do tend to be very sales-led. So there's definitely that aspect of your sales team is going to be a key driver of your strategy. And they would be part of your communication channel to the customers. And oftentimes they are the ones doing the demonstrations. And in my experience, salespeople have been incredibly amazing at taking something very technical <laughs> and being able to share it with different kinds of stakeholders. I think it's a, it's a great talent that sales teams possess. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting, though, because I guess some people might sit there and think, well, you know, APIs, very technical products, primarily, I guess, the end user being developers or integration teams within other companies. And, you know, maybe all of the kind of almost all of the sales enablement and stuff would all be super focused on the developers and super focused on the kind of technical capabilities of the API. But it feels like you're really talking about making sure that those sellers, that those salespeople are out there with good sales enablement that actually talks about the, the kind of the vision and the, yeah, what it enables and all of the cool things that you can do and maybe not getting too much into the technical details at that stage at all. Is that fair? I think there is this aspect of when we think of developers, we oftentimes think of the engineer or the programmer. But when we build APIs, we have to think of developer as a little bit more broader persona. And it's not always a coder. It's not always a large team of developers in an enterprise. It really varies. And low-code, no-code developer is as much a developer as anybody else. And when we think about building our APIs as product, we have to think about how to enable these customers who may not be as technical. So providing them the tools to be able to onboard using your APIs without having to code as much, giving them, let's say, copy-paste code or some kind of code generation tool or building up an experience that has a click-through integration is very key in trying to broaden your customers from just programmers to actually really all kinds of customers. Got to win the battle for hearts and minds. But as PMs, we're often warned against vanity metrics. You know, you talked a little bit before about some of the metrics that maybe you do want to track to understand that you're delivering value and that, you're, that your users are getting the best out of the APIs that you're selling to them. But are there any API vanity metrics out there that sound like they're really good things to measure, but actually don't really stand up to scrutiny. If you, I mean, you talked a little bit about, for example, particular endpoint calls not necessarily being a big predictor because maybe there's lots of calls that represent value. But are there any other kind of big no-nos when it comes to API analytics where you sit there and say, yeah, just don't measure that or, or that doesn't mean what you think it does? I think time to first call is definitely one of those which is widely recommended as like the ultimate metric, but <laughs> it's not entirely a vanity metric, but it is definitely not not a complete metric. <laughs> I was just thinking like, what about time to second call? Like anyone can make a first call, right? <laughs> exactly. So one of the things we do is uh, one of the ways you can identify, well, go forward from first call is have, depending on your scale, let's say you identify 100 as the number of API calls, which is significant telling of your customer journey, then you can say that time to 100 call is really your activation. 
So a lot of times the time to first call is is just tends to be a little bit of a vanity metric. You have all these developers experimenting, <laughs> making a call and dropping off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we've talked a lot about some of the differences and some of the different considerations that you might have as an API product manager. But I want to also inspire maybe people that are considering this and maybe don't know where to start. Maybe they'll read your book. Maybe they'll go and do some other things. But I want to kind of reassure them that there are some things about API product management that are the same. So we've talked about the differences, but what's the same for an API product manager at the heart of it? Like, is it the same job, but just a slightly different product? Absolutely. I think the fundamentals of product management remain the same. You still care about the customer. You still try to make an impact and drive business results. I think the nature of the product changes what stakeholders you have and what metrics you measure and just how you go about doing things. You still do user research. How you do user research might be different in terms of how you do it for a web-based product for an e-commerce business versus an, an API product, but you still have the same steps and the same thought process. Well, there you go. Hopefully that will inspire a few people to try and find out a little bit more. But if they do want to go and find out a little bit more and get in touch with you to either find out some extra information about the book or talk about API product management in general or see if they can persuade you to get a lovely product management tattoo, where can they do that? <laughs> so people can find me on Twitter. My handle is one sprint at a time because the greatest products out there are built one sprint <laughs> at a time. <laughs> oh, come on. We don't want to get tied into Scrum, do we? <laughs> and you can also find me on LinkedIn, Deepa Goyo. And I'm always happy to answer questions. You can find my book on Amazon. It's called API Analytics for Product Managers. Well, I'll make sure to link that all into the show notes and hopefully you have a few people heading in your direction and making that first call to see where they can go well that's been a fantastic chat so obviously really appreciate you spending some time geeking out on api products with me obviously we'll stay in touch but yeah as for now thanks for taking the time thank you so much this was really fun and i hope we are able to inspire a few people to get into api product management there is a lot of opportunity and demand so i'm really excited for all the people who are looking into it as always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com, check out some of my other fantastic guests, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favorite podcast app and make sure you share with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night.